KPBS On Demand is supported by Under the Sun Foundation, presenting the Candlewood Arts Festival in Borrego Springs, featuring temporary public art projects that engage community and place. March 23rd. More at candlewoodartsfestival.org. Good morning. I'm Tebby Cruz. Hey, it's Friday, July 15th. Construction on the Delmar Bluffs. More on that next. But first, let's do the headlines. San Diego County is now in the CDC's high-risk level for COVID. A spike in cases and hospitalization has moved the county from the medium to high COVID-19 community level. At the high virus level, the CDC recommends wearing masks indoors, staying up to date on COVID-19 vaccines, and getting tested if you have symptoms. The San Diego City Attorney's Office is being awarded $1 million as part of a statewide effort to expand outreach and education on the use of gun violence restraining orders. In exchange, the City Attorney's Office will train City Attorney's Offices and law enforcement groups across the state on red flag laws. The laws allow gun violence restraining orders to be issued to temporarily remove firearms from those at risk of harming themselves and others. Between 2016 and 2020, more than 3,000 gun violence restraining orders were issued across the state. Starting tomorrow, there will be a new way to reach out for help if you're experiencing a substance use or mental health crisis, including thoughts of suicide. People will be able to call or text 988 to get help for themselves or a loved one. They will be connected to trained counselors who can offer confidential support to callers and connect people to services in their area. From KPBS, you're listening to San Diego News Now. Stay with me for more of the local news you need. Hi, I'm Bill Hohen. And I'm Ted Hohen. Over the past 50 years, our family has brought many world-class dealerships to Carlsbad, including Mercedes-Benz, Porsche, Audi, Honda, Acura, Jaguar, and Land Rover. That's right. This year we're celebrating 50 years in Carlsbad. So on behalf of the entire Hohen family, we want to thank San Diego. Throughout the years, we've taken tremendous pride in meeting and even exceeding our customers' automotive needs. We value the relationships with our clients and look forward to serving you for years to come. We invite you to visit one of the Hohen Carlsbad dealerships or hohenmotors.com. The Delmore coastline will change as work begins on a project to shore up the crumbling bluffs. And there's a multi-billion dollar proposal to move the train tracks on top of the bluffs. KPBS environment reporter Eric Anderson has more on this. To our south is the beginning of two miles of a railroad track that runs right along the very top of this coastal bluff. Delmar Councilmember Terry Gasterlund is taking in the sweeping view on top of the cliff that has grabbed so many headlines recently. A big collapse could happen anywhere along this bluff at any moment in time. That's our problem right now. And that's trouble for train tracks that skirt the coast along the top of the bluff. 
collapse in 1941 deposited a freight train on the beach below. Recent bluff collapses present an ongoing threat to one of the nation's busiest rail corridors. The $68 million project calls for pilings to be driven deep into the bluff. That would secure the track foundation, and soon-to-be-built seawalls will keep the ocean at bay. But the cost is bigger than just money. That bluff stabilization project is going to bury 49,000 square feet of current, open, sandy beach along Del Mar. And it's going to do it in a way that at high tide, when the tide meets the seawalls, there's no beach left. Maintaining the rail line is important to a lot of people. The Los Angeles to San Diego tracks serve some 2 million passengers a year. It is the second busiest urban rail corridor in the nation. The North County Transit District's Chris Orlando says the train tracks help reduce the region's carbon footprint. Our coaster line uh, is the region's most effective reducer of vehicle miles, miles traveled. So each coaster passenger is more than 26 uh, VMT redu miles reduced. So uh, really effective way uh, to keep folks off the road uh, and in, on the transit. Orlando says the freight train also keeps 24,000 trucks off local highways. Those services and what they mean to the region are, are significant and critical. Uh, and so anytime you have a disruption of any period of time, you know, it's it has an impact on our region. And so, you know, making sure um, that the resiliency of that infrastructure remains constant is, is really important to, to the San Diego region. That's why another plan, moving the tracks inland, is so appealing. But there are challenges there, too. Moving the tracks requires a tunnel under Del Mar, a project with a price tag close to $3 billion. Is it a cost worth paying? And the answer is absolutely yes. San Diego Association of Government CEO Hassan Ekrada says preserving the rail corridor through Del Mar helps meet his agency's commitment to mass transit. It is all about making uh, our transit uh, as a, a viable option for people to use. It doesn't mean that we want to force people out of their car. It doesn't mean that everybody's going to leave their car. But if you provide a decent option, maybe 10% of our residents will, will use it and therefore will free capacity on the highway system. $300 million in the just-signed state budget will help pay for crucial environmental work and design plans to move the tracks inland. Ikrata hopes that leads to a shovel-ready project in just a couple of years. But $300 million falls far short of what could be a $3 billion price tag. Congressman Mike Levin says the recently passed bipartisan federal infrastructure law was designed for projects like this. There are a couple of big buckets of money, uh, one for uh, resilience uh, and another for transit. And uh, my team is going to work very closely with all of our stakeholders in the state and the federal level to make sure that we are aligned and we are working towards uh, trying to get this project done for uh, all the residents of our region. Levin says the eroding bluffs have already forced the rail corridor to shut down intermittently, and the region feels the impact. You know, every month you shut it down is roughly a $100 million economic impact to our greater region uh, because of, again, the economic importance uh, each year of that corridor. Terry Gasterland hopes the pressure and opportunity will make the track relocation project a reality for Del Mar. She says everyone wins. We get double tracking on a corridor that's poised to grow. 
we get safe freight and passenger conveyance along tracks that are not on a crumbling bluff anymore. So we get security and we get solidity. The tracks could be gone by 2030 if everything goes as planned, but if there are hiccups and the schedule drags out, there will be extra time because the temporary fixes will secure the bluffs for 30 years. Eric Anderson, KPBS News. This week, the FDA approved the nation's fourth coronavirus vaccine. Unlike other previously available mRNA shots, Novavax is a protein-based vaccine, giving people another option to bolster their immunity. Dr. William Seng with Kaiser Permanente San Diego joined KPBS Jade Hyman with more on the vaccine and case rates in our county. Here's that conversation. So how is the BA5 variant impacting San Diego County's coronavirus case rate? Uh, we, we definitely have seen a steady increase in the number of cases um, around the county. And we, we can see that um, surge coming and it stayed up. Now, the concerning thing is that, yes, these are the cases that we know of. There are cases at home where people test at home that we're not aware of. So Definitely, um, we are in the middle of a surge, and uh, there's probably more cases than we're actually documenting at this point. And the FDA authorized Novavax, which is a protein-based vaccine. Do you see this as a, a promising step toward leveling off the current rise in cases? I think this is an additional way, an additional tool that we can use to help people prevent from ever getting um, COVID. And if we have that, it's a good thing. The other things people had talked about, maybe not uh, being a little concerned about the mRNA virus uh, vaccines. Now we have a protein-based vaccine. And, and this is something that has been tried and true, right? Uh, hepatitis B vaccines are used that way. HPV vaccines, tetanus vaccine, diphtheria. So these are things that we've done before. So there should be no excuses, really. We've got one more tool in, the, in, in our toolbox to help save people and prevent them from dying from this uh, disease unnecessarily. And how does Novavax work differently than previous messenger RNA vaccines? And, and is it just as effective? Yes, uh, it is very effective, up to 90% overall. And in people who are a little older, I think 80% and above in, in terms of effectiveness. Now, the way it's different, it, we're, still tar- we're still targeting the spike vaccine. What's different is that this is protein-based. So the protein is made outside of the body. And as traditional vaccines, then it's injected into the patient to elicit an immune response. Whereas the mRNA vaccines uses your own mechanisms to create that protein. So it's just a two different ways of getting at the same problem, but the outcome is just as great, right? We get that 90% protection in terms of preventing uh, you from having severe disease or dying. That's what we're looking for. That's what we want is to make prevent patients from uh, succumbing to this disease unnecessarily. You know, it, it seems we are in a gray area when it comes to staying protected against COVID. What should people be doing despite mandates being lifted? What people should be doing is really understanding your risk and having that situational awareness. So in times when we're undergoing a surge, when there's a lot of viruses out there, you want to be careful, right? That may be the time when you decide, hey, look, I better be masking up. Uh, But when the cases come down, when we're in the green zone, when the county looks at the rates and say, okay, it's, it's, we're getting over this surge, that's when things can come up and, and we can relax a little bit. 
I, I, I kind of uh, allude to the kind of like our traffic situation. If, if we're in a traffic jam, you don't want to go there. You don't want you want to avoid it. Um, but when things get better, when the traffic's flowing, that's when you want to get on the freeway. So knowing the environment that you're getting into is very important. The second part is knowing yourself. If you're a high risk factor, you don't want to get into a situation where you may catch this disease. Uh, and that's really these two are big points for people to understand what's going on within our community. That was Dr. William Sang with Kaiser Permanente San Diego speaking with KPBS Midday Edition host, Jade Heineman. Coming up, Pride celebrations are back this weekend. We'll have details on that and more next, just after the break. Don't go away. KPBS On Demand is supported by the Museum of Contemporary Art San Diego, offering visitors to the La Jolla campus special exhibitions, collection galleries, coastal vistas, seaside dining, and more. MCASD.org. And certainly a step in the right direction. Chula Vista City Leaders broke ground yesterday on what will be the first homeless shelter in the city's history. The project will include 65 private housing units and two multi-purpose rooms at a city-owned lot in southern Chula Vista. Brad Fieldhouse is the president and executive director of the nonprofit organization overseeing the upcoming Bridge Shelter, which will include wraparound services. So it's a reservation-only system, so it's not a walk-up shelter. Even though it will be low barrier, we're going to try and get as many people in as possible. They're more vulnerable. The, the more we want to make that work. So uh, we'll be looking for things such as community ties. We're making sure that there's connectivity to this city. This will not be a congregate shelter, meaning people will be housed in private rooms or tiny houses. Construction is planned to be finished late this fall. Outdoor patios helped many businesses survive the pandemic, but now cities are having to decide whether to keep them. KPBS North County reporter Tanya Thorne has this update. The city of Solana Beach has extended temporary outdoor patio permits until January. Solana Beach Mayor Lisa Hebner says city staff needs more time to review the impact the outdoor patios are having on the surrounding areas. We have to evaluate the impact on the um, public right-of-way because sidewalks, which is public right-of-way, are now being used for tables and chairs on private parking lots, which are now being used for um, tables and chairs. And are they having any impact on uh, neighboring businesses and on residential neighborhoods? Business owners with temporary outdoor patios are grateful for the short extension, something not all cities are offering. Temporary outdoor permits in the city of San Diego have expired and businesses will now need to apply and pay fees in order to obtain a permanent patio permit if they wish to keep the patio. Tanya Thorne, KPBS News. San Diego Pride is back. Fernanda Lopez, the executive director of San Diego Pride, joined KPBS Jade Heineman to talk about 
this weekend's Pride Festival. So how does it feel to return to a fully in-person Pride Festival after what I imagine has been a challenging couple of years? Oh my goodness. I think everyone is absolutely ready for Pride, ready to celebrate, ready to come out and be joyful. You know, we were all isolated, separated from our friends, family, and loved ones for two years. And that means it's been three years since a full-scale Pride and everyone is ready to come out. Can you talk about the history of San Diego Pride? I mean, how far back does it go? You know, it's really interesting to me. I think uh, the very first Pride events before they were even called Pride, they were like Stonewall commemorative events when our community fought back against state-sanctioned police violence. And we commemorate that fighting back against that every single year at these events. And so in 1970, we had our very first protest in front of SDPD. And we had what we were called at the time gay-ins. Again, that was before we called them Prides. We did that in 1971 as well. In 1972, we held a conference instead of a pride march or parade in 1973 we went back to those gay ends and the very first uh, small marches uh, were in 74 the full-scale pride is in 75 and then uh, around 1989 the very first lgbt person uh, elected to office in san diego christine kehoe envisioned a new type of pride that could be self-sustaining profitable and since then, we've become the most philanthropic pride in the world. Uh, we have the largest continuous staff of any pride in the world um, with over 40 year round programs. So quite the growth from a time when you, being LGBTQ was criminalized to being this region's largest civic event uh, that brings in almost 40 million in economic impact to the city of San Diego. Wow. And this Saturday marks the return of the Pride Parade and Festival. What can people expect from this year? A lot of gay people um, <laughs> will be, you know, a lot of folks who are LGBT coming out to celebrate, right? That's what it's all about. You know, when the world is out to get you and tell you that it's not okay to be who you are, Pride is here to say that we love you, we'll take you just as you are, and it's going to be a massive joyful event. Uh, ticket sales have been up 20%, which is a really great sign that overall that parade, that rally, all those free events. We're going to be uh, a record-setting year here in San Diego. I I can't wait. And Pride includes far more than just this weekend's parade. What are some other events that are part of festivities this year and and really even year-round? We've got the 5K in the morning on Saturday, right before the parade. And then, of course, that big giant festival that happens all weekend long, Saturday and Sunday, right in beautiful Balboa Park. And it's really that festival that funds the year-round education and advocacy work of our organization. And so if you're looking to get involved, if you're looking to volunteer, you want to donate, all that information is on our websites because we have programs for youth and women and the API community, the Latino community, the Black community, seniors. Uh, we do voter outreach and engagement. Like uh, We have international relations programs. There's really something for everyone at San Diego Pride. That was Fernanda Lopez, Executive Director of San Diego Pride, speaking with KPBS Midday Edition host, Jade Heidman. Well, we also have a few weekend arts events to share with you. Compliments of KPBS arts producer Julia Dixon-Evans. First, there's a new exhibit at the Institute of Contemporary Art in Balboa Park. It's a selection of works from artists graduating from regional art programs. It opens at 6.30 tonight, and it is free. And if you're in the mood to see a performance this weekend, check out Strings That Bind. It's a pride event and is about the idea of being seen as puppets of the system. 
The play will combine puppet-style movements, poetry, music, art, and dance, and will be performed by nine teens. The two performances will be today at 3 p.m. and tomorrow at 4 p.m. at the Diversionary Theater in University Heights. It's free, but a reservation is required. And you can put on your dancing shoes tomorrow for the 2022 San Diego International Mariachi Summit Gala Concert. Performers include the San Diego Binational Symphony Orchestra, soloists, and more. The concert starts at 7 tomorrow night at the San Diego Civic Theater in downtown. You can find details about these and more arts events and sign up for the weekly KPBS Arts Newsletter by visiting kpbs.org arts. That's the podcast for today. This podcast is produced by KPBS senior radio producer Brooke Ruth and producer Emily Mohebi. As always, you can find more San Diego news online at kpbs.org. I'm Debbie Cruz. Thanks for listening. Have an awesome weekend. KPBS On Demand is supported by MaraCal Design and Remodeling, helping homeowners with their home remodeling needs. From ADUs to custom kitchen remodels and room additions, MaraCal Design and Remodeling designs and builds your dream home. Learn more at trustyourhometous.com.